Welcome to the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from ToLoveHonorAndVacuum.com, where we like to talk about healthy, evidence-based, biblical advice for your sex and marriage. And because we're the weirdest podcast on the internet, I talk about sex with my daughter, Rebecca Lindenbach, yep, who is done. here with me. Doesn't get much weirder than that. No, it really doesn't. And we have something huge, absolutely huge to celebrate. Yes, we do. Last weekend, our publisher put our book, The Great Sex Rescue, which is based on our survey of 20,000 women mm-hmm. on ebook sale for $2.99. Yes, they did. And guess what happened? We got in the top 19 books in the entire Kindle store. Yeah, like there's like 3 million books on Kindle and we hit number 19. There was only one Harry Potter book ahead of us. I know, only the Sorcerer's (laughs) Stone or the Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you're from. Yes, like we did really well and I'm just thrilled and our paperback numbers went up and our audiobook numbers went up. By the way, when you buy the audiobook, that is actually me reading it. So Mm -hmm. if you... Hopefully you like my voice if you listen to this podcast, but <laughs> or else it's going to be a real disappointment. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> but it's just eight is, hours. <laughs> yes, that is me reading it, and so thank you. Yeah, you know, to everyone. that was amazing. We had the the text chain between the three of us, me, Joanna, and uh, yeah. Mom was just pretty insane all day. So that was a big thing to celebrate. And speaking of celebrating, we are starting this year really grateful that the conversation about sex and marriage is changing in the evangelical world. Yep. We have more books coming out in March. Keith and I wrote The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex. I've revamped The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. And I've just seen online more and more people challenging stuff when people say harmful things. And that's been really encouraging. I'm so grateful for that. And so what we thought we would do today is help people be part of that change. Yeah, we get this question a lot, kind of how can we help? How can we make change? What do we do when we see like harmful things happening? Mm -hmm. So let me give you an encouraging email first. And then I'm going to turn to a reader question, which you and I can answer. Okay, Becca? Let's go. Okay. So here's a woman who wrote, I started following you this year and also read The Great Sex Rescue. Thank you so much for addressing the unhealthy aspects of evangelical views towards women and marriage. Like you, I have young adult daughters and remember being so uncomfortable with the unhealthy emphasis in our evangelical community on modesty dress for girls when they were in their teen years. Increasingly, I have also been bothered by how I am treated by men at my church. In early 2020, an elder told me, well, of course, I just asked the men for input regarding a ministry that many women, including me, are also involved in. I set up a meeting with my pastor to discuss this, and while he listened, he didn't seem to get it. This was just one example of many where men at church, often pastors or leaders, treated me like I was a potential temptress to be avoided, or that if I was a proper Christian woman, I was to submit, shut up, and stay in my lane. Hmm. As a result of your encouragement, here's the good part, I spoke up to my daughter's university bookstore about love and respect, and they pulled it from their shelves. Amazing. This was the second university bookstore I heard of in the same day. Yeah. Like university bookstores are pulling the book because they know it's harmful. That's amazing. And they're doing it because people are speaking up. Yeah. So this is great. Um, More recently, I emailed my pastor to ask why our church platforms someone who has been in the news as being abusive. Well, I never heard back. 
Um, there was a defensive, I'll look into it, but on the most recent church calendar, it appears they have switched to a different curriculum. Hmm. My oldest daughter attended a women's Bible study event at her friend's church where she heard harmful teaching about marriage and books like Love and Respect were recommended. She emailed and then later met with the lead pastor to share her concerns, and he asked for her recommendations for how to do better. Amazing. Yep. These are such small opportunities and changes, but we took these steps because you helped us be able to see and articulate the issues well. That's amazing. And so you know what? She spoke up and people didn't always listen to her. No. But sometimes they did. And that's something where just because someone doesn't listen to you doesn't mean you didn't do it well. It doesn't mean you didn't do Mm -hmm. the right thing. Doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you should stop trying. It just means that they've shown themselves. Yeah. And so here's where the question comes in. Mm -hmm. So a woman wrote and said, I go to a church that I love, even though they promote gender role ideas I don't agree with. However, just recently, my church is promoting and hosting the Love and Respect Conference, and they are encouraging one and all to attend. I feel distressed every time the conference is brought up, especially if my married friends want to go. Mm -hmm. I feel even more distressed knowing that young people would attend who have no idea what marriage is like and are learning a foundation that is unhealthy. I have stayed quiet because I'm not sure what to do. I would appreciate any recommendations you may have for me. Yeah. So while we are filming this podcast... We are drinking from our love and respect mugs mugs because healthy people need both. And this is in our merch store along with stickers you can get. Lots of different things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So let's do this better. But, you know, this is a good question that I get a lot. Like, Sheila, I agree with you. I'm tracking with you. I'm so excited for what you're doing. But how do I make a change in my church? Mm -hmm. And I think it comes from just speaking up. I think so. And and this is something where we need to actually... start mm-hmm. speaking up and I think what's happened in the last little bit online is that people are, are being able to see oh I'm not the only one I'm not the only one I'm not the only one I there are others who see it there are others who are harmed and that's really nice online because it's very easy to find people who have shared experiences yeah, yeah. when you're talking about a physical church like your actual church community it can be a lot more intimidating because sometimes you feel like you are the only one in your church yeah I will encourage you that that's statistically not likely Mm -hmm. but I do understand that it's just harder also when you're actually talking to someone face to face yeah so let's get practical yeah we have a number of resources if it's specifically about love and respect we have a number of resources we have our open letter to focus on the family which you can share and at the bottom of that open letter there's a ton of links to other resources including our summary page of issues with love and respect we have our rubric that we created for the great sex rescue our 12 markers of healthy sexuality and then we scored different books on that rubric Mm -hmm. and um, there is a link in the podcast notes where you can enter your email address to receive that rubric and a summary of our findings from the great sex rescue which you can share with your pastor Um, and so you can show your pastor why love and respect scored zero out of 48 on our healthy sexuality rubric while a book like the gift of sex scored 47 out of 48 Mm -hmm. it's not like it was impossible to score well yes (laughs) it's just that love and respect teaches a very different message than healthy books do. And so you can download those resources. Those are in the podcast notes. But that means you've actually got to send your pastor an email and try to have a meeting. Yeah. And that's stressful. Yeah. And I think I think the first thing which some of you might be might be surprised to hear me say is the first step is benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. You know, the first step is assume goodwill. Assume that these are people who just don't know. 
Yeah. Like this young woman in our first email, she went to the lead pastor of a church that she didn't even go to. It was yeah. just she was visiting this women's Bible study. And and the lead pastor asked her for recommendations as to what to do because you know what? An awful lot of pastors haven't read these books. They're just mm-hmm. talked about all the time. They're recommended by Focus on the Family. And so pastors assume these are good books and they haven't read them yeah. themselves or else they just haven't had anything else to recommend. Yep. Because pretty much... Most of the books in evangelicalism did did badly on a rubric. So it's like if you want people to read a Christian book, there's actually not a lot to recommend, which is why we're trying to change that. Yes. (laughs) So that's the first thing I would say, though, is like send if you're someone who doesn't like to talk face to face, then take some time and write Mm -hmm. out what your concerns are. Just simply, I mean, for Pete's sake, copy what we write. Mm-hmm. Um, use the downloads and the printables and attach them to your email. Um, that's perfectly fine. And then what I would say is tell them when you're going to follow up. Yes. You know, say, and you know, I'm, if, if we haven't, like, I'd love to hear within the next two weeks if you're going to continue with the conference. Yeah. Or something. Yep. Or I'd love to hear in the next two weeks if these books will be removed from the library. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll be, I'll be following up, you know, and then, and then do follow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because you have to give someone a chance to do the research yes. if they haven't. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, first step is goodwill. First step is assume mm-hmm. goodwill, give them the information. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need to immediately jump to, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, assuming the worst. Yeah. Now, if they don't respond or if they respond badly, what I will say is that conferences can't happen if people don't go. Yes. So even if the pastor and the leadership team puts the conference on – you are still free to tell all your friends what the problems are. Yep. You are still free to post on the Facebook page whenever they promote the conference. Yep. <laughs> you are still free to post on your own Facebook page, your own social media about why the conference is a problem. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's going to take some courage, but I guarantee you other people in your church have heard about this too. You're mm-hmm. not the only one, not at this point. No. That's what we've seen over and over again. Well, and that's what I do want to say. Like I say assume goodwill, but I do want to make this really important point. The whole sex abuse scandals in the church and all the controversies around things like CJ mm-hmm. Mahaney or like the SBC, the, the, the issues with the missionary um, schools, like all this yeah. stuff that's been coming out. We are 10 years in the making. Yeah, Josh even, Duggar was 2015. Yeah, the Josh Duggar abuse when when it first came when it was first became public ago. about his abuse of his sisters that was 2015. That was seven yeah. years ago. Yeah, that means and and the the conversations about like the damages of purity culture have been going on for even mm-hmm. longer than that. Yeah, like at this point, if your pastor does not know. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not a bad person for having not known, but that is an example, in my opinion, of professional negligence at this point. Yeah. Like, it's so everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's easy to say, like, oh, well, you work in this space. But it's not just me. Like, my friends who have no idea what I do are also yeah. talking about purity culture. Like, yeah. my husband's yeah. an ex-atheist, was totally against organized religion. He knew about all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Even some of the people in his hometown who don't go to church, they know about the Ravi Zacharias thing. Yes. Like, this <laughs> thing. people know about this stuff. And so if your pastor is not aware at this point they willfully close their eyes Mm -hmm. i will Mm -hmm. say that and that's something that they can repent from and they can Mm -hmm. sort out and they can you have to give them a chance to do the right thing once they have the information directly in front of them they can't deny it anymore yeah but at this point if you are closing your if you aren't seeing it you're closing your eyes willfully and that is not okay and that can't be tolerated we can't simply say oh well he just didn't know for 10 years yeah. in this ministry and, space. And if your pastor, if you go to your pastor and they're not willing to do anything about it, 
but they ask you to keep quiet, mm. that is a red flag that your church is not safe. Oh, yeah. That's not even a red flag. That is like a blurring mega horn. Yes. Hi, we don't actually care about you, and we're not yes. going to take any of your concerns seriously, but please don't make our lives hard, and please don't let us actually face any of the logical or natural <laughs> consequences of my behavior. Because remember, yeah. we don't really actually like the verse, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. We prefer to say, you know, I cannot be mocked. I like to just have everything handed to me on a silver platter, so please don't say anything. Right. Exactly. Um <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you are not required to be quiet no. when people are being hurt. No. And when you see that people going to this conference are going to get hurt, you're actually biblically required to speak up. And that's, that's a biblical thing throughout scripture. Once you know something, you are then required to say something. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you're required to make sure no one goes. You're required to make sure every single person hears. But there is something where it's like, you know what? Like, Mm -hmm. if you know that something bad is happening, you can post a really, really nice, peaceful, you don't mm-hmm. have to be confrontational about it. You can just say, I'm just very sad to see this because I've seen this research that shows that this conference in particular actually makes abusive situations worse mm-hmm. and can actually harm healthy marriages and make them less healthy. And mm-hmm. so I really thought that our church was going to promote a healthy option. And it's just really sad for me to see this. Mm-hmm. If anyone is curious, here's some information. Yeah. That's not, you guys are horrible people who hate all women. That's nothing like that. That's no. just, hey. I, this makes me sad. If you want more information, please check this out before you sign up for the conference. Yeah. You know, and then people, it's up, it's their decision. Mm-hmm. It's their decision. It's not on you. You don't need to stress out if the conference still has 200 people in attendance. Yep. That but wasn't on you. That's that was not, not on you. No, it's not. But it, this is when your church doesn't listen. Mm-hmm. We have to start accepting that they are telling us who they are. The reason that we are in this situation where mm-hmm. our best sellers are so egregiously terrible towards women, yeah. where we are in churches, where women are, you know, treated like, in essence, sexual, like, fly traps, in essence, with their, like, all these men are just can't control themselves because of all these Jezebels and temptresses. When we're told, you know, you have to have sex with your husband or else he's going to look at other women or, you mm-hmm. know, it's just your duty to sacrifice and have sex with them even if you don't want to because don't you want to be a good wife and God won't reward you otherwise. And there's all this horrible stuff that women are told. Even from as age of 11, you need to cover up or else the 60-year-old pastor won't be able to not look up your skirt. Right. Like, these things are horrible and they've happened because... There's a lot of us who disagree with them Mm -hmm. and have given them the benefit of the doubt even after they've shown us who they were. When someone tells an 11-year-old to cover up because they are causing you to stumble, that is a pedophile. Yeah, that's a sign that's not a safe person. Yes, and so similarly, if someone says we care about women, we care Mm -hmm. about abuse, we -hmm. care about, you know, making sure that people are safe and healthy, and then you give them proof that something is not safe and healthy, and they say, well, we doctrinally agree with them, then they don't actually care about abuse, about anything. They just care about playing on the right team. This is one of the issues, is that I went to two different churches, actually, for almost a decade each time that I did not agree with Mm-hmm. with the way that they handled women and gender roles. But I went because I felt that there were no other churches in the area that really preached the gospel, and I had to sacrifice on this point. Mm-hmm. Now, it turns out that wasn't true, and maybe we'll get to that later, mm-hmm. but both those churches benefited from me being there. My yes. husband and I are very well respected in our community. I was writing a newspaper column for years. like I, I, I couldn't go to the grocery store without people 
recognizing me and seeing I can who I was. To that. Um, my husband is a very popular physician in town. Um, so we're very well known. We live in a small town. And the fact that we went to those churches lent those churches a lot of credibility. Mm-hmm. Like, if we thought this was a good church, then it must be a safe church. Well, especially since we all, you also, like, had your own ministry as well. Right. And that's what I didn't fully understand at the time. Because I was willing to sacrifice on some things because I just needed community And what I didn't realize is that by going to the church, by giving money to the church, by volunteering with the church, I was telling others, this is a safe place, even when it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't. Yeah, no, it just wasn't. You know, there were girls in that youth group who were blamed for... There was pretty much everything that you've heard about. Yeah. talk has happened at those two churches, between the two of them. It was, it was bad. Yeah. And it was largely because they had a very male entitlement view of sex and very big gender roles. Yeah, about power. It was all and about power. It was power. all about power. Making sure it that was, men keep power. And I think that's what we need to understand is you may love the people there and you may love the community, but when we go and when we volunteer and when we give money, we're promoting and we're propping up churches that aren't healthy. And Mm -hmm. what would happen if all of us just stopped? There's more of us than there are that actually believe this power stuff. I know it doesn't seem that way, but when you look at the surveys, when you look at the evidence, even in the Southern Baptist Convention, more people think women should be ordained than don't think women should be ordained. And yet they don't ordain women. They don't ordain women. And it's a huge hot button issue. And you're, you know, you're, you're ostracized if you say you should ordain women. But that's because those in power say oh, like you can't. 100% of them think you shouldn't ordain women. Whereas the regular people think it's okay. So what would happen if the regular people started speaking up more? Yeah. Or what happens if, you know, you're in a church where they're not handling gender roles and marriage well, and they're doing it in a way where you know that it's making abuse worse. You mm-hmm. know, you can see it happening. You can see the pastor talking about how this is a wife's duty. You can see a pastor talking about how she should submit. Or they have a biblical counseling program, which encourages people to stay in abusive marriages yeah. or puts the blame on women. Um, or for they their give love and respect use. and for women only and sheet music and all those books yeah. to every single person who gets married. Well, what would happen if, you know, you once again went with good intention, like goodwill mm-hmm. expected to the leadership, said, here's my concerns. Mm-hmm. They do nothing or brush you off. And then you stop tithing and you put on the offering note every single week, my concerns are. Like, you know, yeah. I, I will start giving money again when these things happen, but I cannot in good conscience fund a church Mm -hmm. that is actively promoting abusive theology. And then instead you take that money and you give it to a woman's shelter or a food bank. Or domestic abuse. Or a domestic violence. Or... or, Like to help end sex trafficking. There's so many... people. There's so many organizations that are on the ground being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so if you're in a church that's actively doing harm, don't prop it up. Yep. You know, and, and I will say that like a lot of times we, and I know this is kind of what it was for us too, is you go to the church you don't agree with. It's like, well, they've got a good kids program. Yeah. They got a good youth group. Yeah. It's like, and I will tell you as the kid who was in the youth group of both of those churches, yeah. whatever the adults believe in terms of power, in terms of all these types of things, the teenagers are being taught it at a much more extreme level. Yes. Because teens are extreme people. And so if you're in a church that believes, for instance, okay, you're in a church that believes that wives should have sex with their husbands so that he doesn't watch porn. Mm-hmm. Why do they believe that? 
They believe mm-hmm. that because they believe that men do not actually have full sexual control over their urges. Yes. They believe that women are the gatekeepers for sexuality. And if, and if a woman doesn't give it to him in a healthy way, he will almost in essence be forced to act out in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for your teenagers? It means that your teenagers at age 11 and 12 are being told that your body is attempting thing. Or maybe they even actually follow Dana Gresh's advice and start telling eight-year-old girls that their bodies are intoxicating to grown men. That's right. literally in Secret Keeper Girls. Yes. That an eight-year-old, your belly is intoxicating. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do that. And so she grows up feeling that she has to cover up. And then what happens if she is assaulted mm-hmm. in that church? And then she goes to leadership and says, you know, I don't know what happened. I think I didn't want to have sex, but we had sex and I feel so guilty. Is, is the leadership going to act adequately be able to recognize, oh, that's assault, by the way. Like, if you didn't want to have sex and you mm-hmm. said no and he had sex with you anyway, you didn't make him do that. Or are they going to tell you, well, you know, what do you expect when you're kissing a boy? And now, by the way, your soul is permanently tied to his. Yes. Because I will tell you, the second one happens. Mm-hmm. In churches where the, it's all the same tree, guys. Yeah. That's just what we're saying. And the teenagers get it worse. The teenagers do get it worse. And also, frankly, like, marital rape is very real. We talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like, sexual assault can happen to anyone. But statistically speaking, teen girls are more likely to get sexually assaulted than the married woman in the pews. Yes. And so what are the teen girls going to be told who are coming to their youth pastors who have been raped? Yeah. You know, and if you have a youth pastor who believes that his wife's job is to have sex with him so that he won't watch porn, Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you he's going to have a warped idea of what the teen girl should have been doing with that boy. Yes. And that's what we need to understand is you might be thinking, well, we can sacrifice how they think about men and women because my kids are in a great youth group. And it's like, are they? Yeah, I'm, and I, I will say, like, as someone who has been in a great youth group. Yeah, the best one in our town. The best one in our <laughs> town. Where, like, all the other churches sent, like, their kids mm-hmm. came to this youth group kind of thing. Like, one yep. of the best youth groups. Like, I have amazing memories and friendships from that youth group. There's also a lot of brokenness that happened mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was worth it. Like, yeah. I, I will flat out. Our son-in-law actually... was the one good thing we got out of it. Yes. My son-in-law. David. Katie's husband. Yeah. We love you, David. Uh, yeah. But the <laughs> thing is, like, what I want, like, my thing is I, when I, and, and I, I will openly say this, when my kids are grown, I don't know if I will allow them to go anywhere near that church. Yeah. Even if it's the only youth group in the area, I don't think I'm going to allow them to go there unless mm. I specifically know they're going there as a mission. Yeah. And I will train them on how to speak up against whatever the pastor says. Yeah. And yep. they will be a thorn in his side. Because that's the thing is we have to understand that simply having a good program, having all the bells and whistles, simply mm-hmm. all these things. Also, who your kids' friends are really does matter. Yeah. If all of your kids, say you have a girl, you have a 15-year-old girl, and you love the youth group because it's got all these great kids, and all the great kids include the 15 and 16-year-old boys who are being taught, you can't control yourself if a girl doesn't dress modestly. You are mm-hmm. constantly going to be tempted by pornography. In fact, you're watching pornography, and the best that you can do is just try not to until you can take out your urges on your wife. Mm-hmm. Like those are the nice boys that your girl's going to youth group with. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that they could be nice boys, but they're being taught poison that is making them have a horrible pornified view of your daughter. Yeah. And we just have to be honest about this. Yeah. We have to be honest about it. And so if you've tried, if you've gone to your, your pastors, if you've tried, I would actually advise leaving. Yeah. I that's, think that's what I think. I, and I, I, I agree. I think there's... <laughs> 
This is a wider conversation. It depends on how old your children are. If you have kids, it depends how bad your church is. It depends if you can see yourself in church as a missionary, because I think there are some people. Yes, that's what I was going to say. There are some people who are called to stay in churches just so they can change them. But if that is you, it's incumbent upon you to make that known Mm -hmm. because you can't. You, like if you're telling other people about good churches in your city, make sure you tell them not to go to the one where you're at. Yeah. Like, like if, if you're you, at if you're at a church as a missionary, yes. <laughs> then you need to like make sure that other people know this is not the the healthy church to go to. Yeah. Like if you say, well, I'm just gonna be there to create change on the inside because I know it's mm-hmm. toxic right now. But then you're also sharing the VBS program and saying, mm-hmm. send your kids here, and you're inviting your kids' friends out to youth group with the youth pastor who you're pretty sure actually does look at the 15 year olds. Like. Yep. These are the things where it's like you can't say I'm there to change it from the inside and then advertise it as is. Yeah. It's it's like here's what I was saying on when we were talking talking about this podcast is it's like Joanna our our co-author is up in Iqaluit, right? Which and, is which is in the Canadian Arctic. Yeah, it's real real high up north and and it's been all in the news recently they had this really big water scare. Right, yeah. they had a really mm-hmm. big issue with the water system. There they was still do. They still do. <laughs> yeah, it's just co- going to be constant essence. But in essence, they had stuff contaminants in the water that shouldn't have been there. And what do you do when you have contaminants in the water? You don't say, "Well, we'll just kind of keep drinking it until it's fixed." Yeah. No, <laughs> you shut it off. <laughs> you have to stop. And so if you say, "Well, I'm just going to fix it from the inside," but then you're still drinking the water, or worse, you're handing the water to the children in your yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. While you know that it's contaminated. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Yeah. The answer is to stop, get rid of the contaminants, test it multiple times to make sure it's safe, and mm-hmm. then open it back up to the public. This is what Jesus meant when we cannot put new wine in old wine skins mm-hmm. we can't we, yeah do- we now know what's healthy yeah and yet you cannot just put the healthy stuff on top of the unhealthy stuff yeah we have to start from fresh and yeah. you know there are a lot of really godly wonderful churches that are small and that don't mm-hmm. have the bells and whistles it doesn't mean that if a church is small that it's healthy or that if a church is nope. large it's unhealthy okay i don't mean that i don't but but what I have found, and this is this is anecdotal, I have not done research on this, so this is not like my studying, this is just Sheila's opinion, is that sometimes smaller churches can be healthier because the people that go there, it's just community. That's all it is. It's just community. Well, and not only that, when you're in a smaller church, automatically there there is more accountability for the staff because everyone yes. actually has access to the pastor. Whereas if yeah. you're in a church of 400. Yeah. Well, 400 is considered large in Canada. Yeah, that's large tiny in the U.S. In the US. But... You know, when I went to youth group, there were only like eight to 10 people a week. Mm -hmm. And I went there with the same people for four years. It was a wonderful youth group. We Mm -hmm. had volunteers running it for most of it. And those same people are all still walking with Christ, you know, more or less, almost all of us. So many are in the ministry now. Mm -hmm. It was a good youth group and it was only eight to 10 people. Yeah. And my best experience with any youth group uh, was actually a small college and careers group that I went to when I was 18. I used to drive out to Kingston to go there Mm -hmm. and it was in this smaller church as well. There were about 12 to 15 of us. It was just one pastor and she had very little budget for this group and to put it in perspective there was a broken ping pong table at the church so Mm -hmm. you couldn't put half of it down and so we made an entire game around how Mm -hmm. to use the broken ping pong table Mm -hmm. because that was the kind of budget we had right okay and it was and it was just you know we had people who were in culinary schools we'd make 
pasta once a month together or we'd go skating for free downtown Kingston or we'd yeah. all go to laser tag once or like it, it was just the small stuff doesn't need to be worse yeah. and I think if all of us if all of us banded together <laughs> and supported some of the smaller healthy churches mm-hmm. we would see that those smaller healthy ones would become bigger obviously yep. and and their influence would spread and so I don't I'm not trying to tell you what you should do because I do believe we're all called to different things and you might be called to stay and be a missionary mm-hmm. or maybe your church is in the midst of flux and things are going to look very different soon mm-hmm. but maybe this is just a toxic thing and yeah. Jesus does also say that we are to shake the dust off our feet yeah. and that we aren't to throw our pearls before swine we're definitely not trying to say we know exactly what you personally should do what we are just asking is that you finally let these people actually deal with the repercussions of their behavior and mm-hmm. stop shielding them from their consequences because we have been shielding them from their consequences for too long yes. by continuing to give our money, our volunteer hours, and our affirmation to people who do not deserve any of them. Yeah. And if you want to just see a really funny way of how what that could look like, yes. Lucy Maud Montgomery, author Canadian of Anne of Green Gables, wrote an amazing short story called The Strike at Putney. Yes. She wrote this more than 100 years ago, and you all need to read it, and I will put the link in the podcast notes. And now, speaking of being courageous and making change, I have an interview with a good friend of ours, actually, yes. Nina Otiende, who is a wonderful blogger who I've met in real life, and we're going to bring her on right now. Well, I am thrilled to have on the Bear Marriage Podcast a friend of mine. This is Ingina Ochiende from Intentional Today. She's an author and she's a certified coach. And we've actually met in real life. So this is thrilling. So hello, Ingina. <laughs> hey, Shana. How are you? So good to be here. Yeah, I think it was a couple of years ago now when I was down in uh, Baltimore. But that was that was always fun to connect with people in real life. So... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a lot of fun to catch up in, in Baltimore and meet you for the first time. I've been reading your blog for the longest time. So it was such mm-hmm. a pleasure to meet you in Baltimore. We've since moved to Texas, but we were in Maryland then. But yeah. it was an absolute joy. Yeah, I'll get Katie to put a picture of us. I think I still have one up on the screen. But um <laughs> The reason I wanted to have you on is because I feel like I've been watching you on Instagram and Facebook and everything for the last little while and watching your blog. And I feel like you're going through a similar transition that I went through a couple of years ago (laughs) where, you know, you spend a lot of time talking about how to make marriage great. And then you start to realize, hold on a second. A lot of people are in really unhealthy places. And they need to be affirmed in that. So do you want to just tell us a bit about your journey and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now straight up, I've been one, you know, like you stepping out and beginning to do your shift, because like I said, I've been reading your stuff for the longest time. Uh, Since I was a newlywed, I've been married 13 years now, 13 years of marriage. But I started reading your stuff like when I was like one year married or something, like a newly, newly, newly <laughs> wed. So since then, I've been just been looking and observing and reading your stuff, recommending it to a ton of people. And I just began to observe your shift a couple of years now. And I guess just how the Lord leads, things were just also starting up in my own personal life, in my family, in my amongst my friends and in my own personal life uh like now just a quick run through about like four four years ago i just 
became terribly sick. I couldn't figure out what was going on. The doctors couldn't figure out to date. This is a bunch of things that we think that is happening to me. But what happened is that I was in chronic pain. That was the end result. But I was in a lot of chronic pain to date. So things have improved, but I was in pain and uh, basically I was sick and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And what I knew about God was getting really, 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 really tested. So my beliefs about God, about his love, about how he sees us, I had to go back to to the Bible to actually check what I thought I knew about God against what I was, you know, what I was going on. So what was going on in my life? So there was that part of me being sick. And then what happened is I began to read my Bible, <laughs> like uh -huh. study the Bible, not just depend on Bible verses or depends on my old beliefs, but it's like, okay, but really, really, what does this mean? So I began to actually learn how to study the Bible for myself, to dig deep and figure out, get answers. And then alongside the same time, people that were close to me were, were going through really, really terrible times in their marriages. They were really indestructive mm -hmm. marriages. And I was trying to walk them through that. And there was this disconnect. Like I could... Yeah, there were things that we were working together, even my husband was in it, but there was a disconnect. As you know, as anybody who has been a traumatic marriage or destructive marriage, there's a good advice that is not meant to go to the destructive marriages. So that in itself, um, those, those two, three things, actually it's two, <laughs> but it feels like there was a bunch of things going on. And then just watching, and then finally, uh, when your book came out and you started talking about the things that we grew up believing and I, you know, it's like just things just began to come together. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I think because I'm still processing, so I don't have like a neat like shift of how things completely shifted. It's like I'm going through this shift to date because I have mm -hmm. to confront myself. I have to get the truth for myself and deal with my own baggage in my own marriage mm -hmm. and the things that we are working through with my husband. And I mean, my marriage is, is good. We are, we are healthy, thank God. It's just that my own mindset and to be honest, mm -hmm. my husband is healthier belief-wise than I am. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. praise the Lord. <laughs> the, the, the things he still has to work through. But for the most part, it's me and my understanding of, you know, submission, leadership, and, and just a whole lot of, and the way I see God and the way I thought God sees women. So that is going right. through a couple of changes and shifts. I don't know if that's answering any of your questions. <laughs> well, I think I think what you're saying though, a lot of people can relate to because I yeah. think so many of us grew up believing certain things about God, about women, like you said, and we never really questioned it. And then something happens. Like for right. you, it was getting sick. And I'm assuming I'm reading, I'm reading between the lines here because you didn't spell it out, but I'm assuming it was questions of like, I'm praying and I did the right thing and I'm not seeing Absolutely. any breakthrough. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. It was that. I'm not seeing any breakthrough. People are saying I should, you know, like this is what you should think. And if you had more faith and this mm -hmm. is how, and God is going to heal you. 
and and I'm like, why hasn't he healed me? It's been years. Like, does God mm-hmm. really promise certain things, or does He promise to be with us through these things? It's exactly what you're saying. Like, you, you yes. it's it's that wondering, like, where is God, and and why am mm-hmm. I suffering as I am, and what does the Bible really say? <laughs> I know mm-hmm. the scriptures that I grew up believing, or what I've heard about prayer and about where God is in our pain and our suffering, but where is God really? Like, what is the truth here? Is it that I have misunderstood things or is it that God is a liar? You know, like Mm -hmm. what is, what's the truth? And that is what got me there, asking questions and, 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 and coming to this place of knowing that I can ask God questions. I think that was, well, I think that has been the, one of the biggest shifts in my understanding. Mm-hmm. One of the things that have brought me so much freedom and one of the things that I know that is so important for women who are going through, or even men who are going through like, sort of like, what do you call it? Like you come to a head in your faith and in your beliefs mm-hmm. about God, just knowing that God is, is calling you and kind of welcoming you and saying, come. Like I, I can deal with your questions. I can deal with mm-hmm. your trauma. I can, we can have a conversation about it just because you're asking questions doesn't mean you're not a Christian because for the longest time, I thought Christianity just meant what I hear from the pulpit. You just take it and that's it. Like that shows you're a Christian when you just, your old beliefs, you stay with them. You know, mm-hmm. what you know, about. I didn't know that place where you can come and, and sit with God and wrestle through the difficult questions of life, you know, and, 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 and beliefs and God, you know, I didn't know there was space for questions in the Christian mm-hmm. kingdom. It's just, you can bring any questions to God. Yeah, I, I love that. I know I went through something similar when my son um, was sick gosh, 25 years ago now. And people would tell me, you just need to pray more. You just need to yeah, have more faith. And I knew that wasn't the answer and he ended up passing away, but that didn't mean that I didn't have enough faith. But again, that was, that was when you need to realize, okay, I believe in God, not because of what God can do for me, but because of who Mm -hmm. he is and how Mm -hmm. he's here with me. And that was, that was hard. That was hard, but it was good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, I think every year you'd share about Christopher and I I would read it like in his anniversary or something. And I remember, I think that was in 2017 or 2016, 2017 or 18. And I was just bawling my eyes out because I was like, I mean, I haven't experienced like death because at some point I thought I was going to die, you know, at some point. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh my goodness, even in death, even at a place where you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, or you're so devastated, you don't even know where you are anymore, that even there, there is hope. I think your essay was like, just like, like a bomb to my soul, Mm -hmm. where you're like, God is here. This somehow faith-wise can make sense without having to deny what I'm feeling without having to ignore it or stuff it up. Like there is somehow spiritually, this can, this connects when, when it is, when God is in it. And when I'm allowing God to, to walk with me, cause that's, that's, that's the biggest problem, Sheila is like, when, when we're going through problems, even in marriage, I've discovered is like, it's like, we have a script 
you know, is like we have this mindset, like there's a script to live up to. When this happens, this is a script. When this happens in your marriage, when your husband is behaving this way or when you're feeling this way, there is a script, there's a road you're supposed to walk. And that's the one, that's how to be as a Christian wife or as a Christian husband. It's like there is no room for God, nothing is making sense. <laughs> I need you here. <laughs> Talk to me, help me in my own unique journey. Like I am an individual. God sees me. He doesn't have this, like this big rules that everybody, you either follow this rule or you're kicked out. It's more, yes, he's holy. He has standards, but it's also, he made us in as individuals. And it's possible to, even if nobody else is understanding, even if the kingdom of God is not making sense to you, you can bring that to God at the same, you know, as well. So yes, to, mm-hmm. I mean, your uh, Christopher, I, and I'm so sorry about what you guys went through and, and, and just how it still hurts today, but you sharing your journey is, you know, I, I haven't lost a child, but anybody I think who's goes going through, who's gone through, deep deep problems just gets really really encouraged by your journey well thank you and i'm sorry that's just like a segue out but... <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna have to find i'll find that post that you mentioned and i'll put a link to it in the podcast notes so other yeah. people can see mm-hmm. it what do you see was missing in some of the marriage advice that we all, the scripts that we all used to follow? Like you say that you saw some traumatic marriages or some destructive marriages. What did you see was missing in the scripts that we all used to follow? Yeah, I think what what personally I, I lived and I'm working through and what others have worked through, I think the best way to put it is like freedom and mercy the mercy of God like the a revelation of who God really is yeah this is the way to put it this is a lot of tradition and and tradition isn't always bad you know like we all have unique cultures and all that that we come from or family traditions and all that but it's when we equate them to like that says the Lord that's mm-hmm. when we get into problems that I might have preferences but that doesn't mean that every other marriage is going to look like that. What, what is missing, I think, is truth. Like, what does, what, what, where is God really? As opposed to where is culture? Because I am um, from the African culture, Kenyan culture to be specific. I am Kenyan. My husband and I are Kenyan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just, uh, this is just an example. My husband and I are Kenyans. Our Kenyan culture is very conservative. Like we are conservative compared to, you know, every country is, has its own co- conservative edge, but on the whole, the, the bigger culture is conservative. Mm-hmm. So basically when you come and you have an experience and, and, and you're, you give your life to the Lord and you become a born again Christian, there's a lot of things that you carry over from your culture that you find in your church. And it's, it's like everything kind of marries. You find the because I think in Kenya, we have a lot of those. We have fundamental, funda, you know, churches that can be, okay, this is super, super traditional. We have denominational mm-hmm. and we have something that might look like evangelical, but I think it's just Pentecostal evangelicalism, mm-hmm. but we don't call it evangelical. It's, it's just that this is, this is how you are as a born again Christian. Mm-hmm. So when that marries the conservative Kenyan culture marries the conservative evangelical or Pentecostal culture, there's a lot of traditions in the church that are not necessarily 
God-centered. They're more traditional church pastor preferences mm-hmm. that, and then those, um, and that's the thing we don't question. You just come into it, you're a believer, and you just told this is the way things go. What would be an example? There's a lot. So let me see something that makes sense. <laughs> like, okay, let's put it like, um, example is the place of the wife in a marriage. A wife is there to support the husband. And some places do understand that husband and wife are equal in, you know, in, in God and all that. But sometimes that is just here in the head, what we say, but in practice, it is, mm-hmm. it is different. It is different. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much pressure on the women to just take their husbands as they are, to pray for them, to submit mm-hmm. to them, to believe and hang in there for their marriage, and to mm-hmm. just trust God that God is going to just work miracles for the wife who hangs in there, you know? And so there's a lot of just, there's a lot of abuse. And, and you know, there's a usual thing, as long as it doesn't, did he beat you? No. So what are, what are you complaining about? You know, yeah. has he, is he paying the rent? Is he showing up every day? So he comes to church. So what's the problem? So, and, and a lot of, and so there's so many, it's like we judge the success of a marriage on are the two people still together? Right. That's the standard. Like as long as marriages are together, that's important. And we need to protect that. We need the world is people are just divorcing left, right, and center. So as a church, we have to be different as opposed to how healthy are these people in the church? Like how, how much... Yeah, like we're not aiming. And I think that's where I've come to is like, and, you know, I was writing to my subscribers, my newsletter is like, no, I, I'm, I'm not pro-marriage anymore. Like just, I'm not, I'm no longer just pro-marriage because that's where I've come from. That was like, okay, I'm just going to help people um, understand marriage, change mindsets and address relationship problems. That's me. But now I'm like, wait a minute, I don't think being pro-marriage is everything. I think I need to be pro-healthy marriage and teach people how to be, how is it, how does it mean to be pro-healthy marriage? Not just, let's figure out how to stay married. It's like, if you're not in a healthy marriage, this is, this isn't a gig for you, you know, like this is what health looks like. And and I've discovered, and I think I've, I've read that in some of your emails that, it's not just helping the people who have unhealthy marriages, but even those who have healthy marriages need to get healthier. Because that's that mm-hmm. that was me and my husband. Generally, we are healthy. We are not perfect, we are healthy. But my broken beliefs about marriage, like for example, about sex. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I owe my husband sex. And you know, it's just I'm a wife, so where is he gonna get sex from? So I need to. And then I was sick for a long, long time which made sex next to impossible for months. Sometimes we were going for a long time before we get, cause you know, cause my problems just made it impossible, you know, physical mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. So I was, so, so here I am completely racked with guilt, like broken that, oh my goodness, I cannot, you know, and so, and so here I am trying. So my, my husband is healthy. He's not making any demands on me. But because of my mindset, I'm thinking I am denying him something that he needs. So that really messes me up on the inside. 
And then my husband, on the other hand, he's like, what's the big deal? In my head, I'm thinking he's weird. He should be, he should be needing this. And he's like, I absolutely hate it. Like you need to be okay. So I am thinking he's broken for being healthy. Even though he's displaying health, I'm the one who is unhealthy, but I don't know it. And so, and also many other small things in a relationship, how to bring up hard conversation, how to speak up and, and understand that it's a godly thing to do as a woman because you're equal, you're partners and anyone can bring up conversations and pursue those hard, hard conversations. And you're not supposed to put up with immaturity and pride. And so just small things that I, I forget where I was going with this, but yeah, that, <laughs> no, that's great. It's so funny what you said about you're not pro marriage, you're pro health. Because I've I actually wrote out that exact sentence. Um, yeah, like that exact sentence when when we were talking about we we've been doing some long term planning on on um yeah what we want to see everything morph into and 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 working for my retirement eventually in a few years. And Beck and I were talking about like where we want to go, and that's one overarching thing is that. We don't want to be wow. pro-marriage anymore. We want to be pro-health. And because when people are pro-health, they will have healthy marriages and people want to get married. Absolutely. We're, we're pushing marriage so much in the church. We're telling young people, like we make marriage the biggest thing, right? Everybody needs mm-hmm. to get married as opposed to mm-hmm. making health the biggest thing, emotional and spiritual health, because when mm-hmm. you're emotionally and spiritually healthy, then people will naturally want to get into healthy marriages if that's what God's called them to, but they'll also be okay being single if that's what God's, you know, because some people are supposed to be single so they can do more for God like that. We know that, but we're telling everyone they need to get married and we're not focusing on on what healthy marriages look like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I know because when I first started blogging, like way back in 2008, I know I was really concerned with people you know, getting divorced for no reason. And that's how I saw it. Like, you know, we need to have more commitment and everything. But then as I started looking into the numbers, most divorces happen because people are in destructive relationships and, Mm -hmm. you know, and just staying together is not the answer. We need to, we need to get at the root of how people got so unhealthy in the first place and address a lot of the stuff. But, and I know what you're saying too, about how a lot of the problems in your marriage weren't even your husband. <laughs> like you were, yes. you were believing all. I know for me, that's me too. Like the obligation wow. sex message totally messed me up for like 20 years, <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. And that's what we found in our surveys too, right? It wasn't always the husband who was pressuring the mm-hmm. wife. So often we just grew up and internalized all of this stuff. And then mm-hmm. it's really ended up hurting us, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I found that the more you encourage people, like what you write and what you share, and I've read some of you know the comments, and it's like, oh my goodness, like you start to see the things that you've internal because you don't that's the thing that we don't know what is inside of us until you see somebody else talk about it, like, oh, oh, I think like that too. Or oh, you might see some things bubbling up in your marriage, but you don't have the words for it yeah or you can't it's like you need a mirror (laughs) you need a mirror to see and you're like oh my goodness this is it and so that's the thing is like it's not just for people in unhealthy marriages who just need and they do but it's also 
as regular other regular women who marry who marry to great men and men marry to great women who just need to kind of go in there and figure out all their stuff and then mm-hmm. i'm thinking the more that happens that when healthy couples get healthier or get healthier and know the truth now they'll be able to look at all the marriages of their friends and be able to say oh wait a minute uh, this you know they'll be able kind of to spread the message as opposed to um they'll be able to know how to support other people and how to be there for their friends and family which which makes you know which makes us a healthier community overall so as you've been making this transition in your ministry have you had a lot of pushback or have people been mostly responsive yeah yeah for the for the most part uh i'll say people have been positive except you know like i went back home to kenya and we were talking with the people here and there and 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 i could tell like this is new (laughs) (laughs) this is new and i was warned you know uh but but for the most part here people have been responsive and and excited to see like oh it's a new direction and it's been positive now where I saw negative feedback and this is totally a different thing is I think I come from a place you know in you know when Judge Floyd was killed and I I went mm-hmm. in and started to talk about that on my blog and 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 I received a lot of negative pushback so I don't know. I think people who are uncomfortable with dealing with deep issues maybe may have left them. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for this time, it's been it's been positive so far. So far. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this yeah. on this podcast, we're talking about how to encourage people to speak up and make change. Yeah. And I just yeah. really respect you because you had this platform. And then you realize, hold on a second, <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not really covering this well. And so you changed direction when you knew that, that that's what God was calling you to do. And that takes courage. And so thank you. Yeah. And I'm excited yeah. to see where God leads you. And one day God will lead us back to Kenya together. I am, I, I still believe that I would love to do that with you one day, you and your husband. So <laughs> I can, I cannot wait to do that. We would love, we would, we can't wait to take you around Kenya and hold some yeah. meetings there and just be able to, you know, <laughs> to, yes. To or else I'll see you in Texas or else I'll see you in Texas. Absolutely. Before that. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We cannot wait to do that. And thank you. Thank you for all that you do for how much courage you have given some of us uh but you speaking and you know doing all these surveys and and you know that has really 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 been important to everybody who reads from you and especially those of us who are who are also in the marriage education space uh to get all this information to get the data and 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 to just to see to see where we need to go so that when god is speaking to us we have people who have gone ahead of us and we can learn from them Awesome. Thank you. So tell people really quickly where they can find you. And I'll also put the links in the podcast notes, but why don't you tell people where they can see you online? Yeah. So you can find me at uh, my website. It's intentionaltoday.com, intentionaltoday.com. That's my website. You can also find me and I have a ton of free resources there for you. I have a whole library of resources. When you sign up, you can get that free eBooks and resources. And then you can find me on Instagram. It, that is Ngena Otiende. 
And then you can find me on Facebook as Intentional Today. And Gina Otiende is N-G-I-N-A-O-T-I-E-N-D-E. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gina. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Thank Bye-bye. you so much, Sheila. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was so encouraging. I love hearing how how my story actually affected her too. And, yeah. And maybe one day we will both go back to Kenya with her. Oh, so, I so hope so. I actually just want to yeah. meet Ngina. I haven't even met her in person yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah, so. no, lovely person. Okay, I want to end with two things. Mm-hmm. Um, first, uh, as we often do, another review of Great Sex Rescue. Here's just the very, very most recent one mm-hmm. that we've got. They're all so good. Seriously, please go to Amazon, read the reviews of Great Sex Rescue, and see how much change it's making. But... Um, She writes, The Great Sex Rescue shatters the misinformation of other Christian books on sex, marriage, and gender roles, where other books feed unhealthy views of sex and put men into the helplessly sex-obsessed Neanderthal category, (laughs) which is honestly super embarrassing for the men writing these books. That's what I've been saying. Sheila... And her team. Yes. Yes, you get We're fine. Too. We're fine being in the background. We're good. She- Sheila approaches sex from a healthy, gender-balanced way, backed by data. This book is a must-read. Yeah. And now, one last quote. I usually end with GSR. I want to end with Tolkien. Yes, we we've got Tolkien. We've got Lucy Mom Montgomery in this podcast. We got, we've got Tolkien. We've got Tolkien. But last week, I believe, was his, like, 130th birthday or something, something like, that. like that. And everyone was posting Tolkien quotes. And I just love this one from Sam. Do you want to read it? Yes, I love this one. Okay. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. Yeah, change is coming, people. And we're so glad you're part of the change with us. So thank you for joining us on the Bear Marriage Podcast. And we will see you again next week.